They had wondered each new day, would this be the day? How could they wait so long? How could they be so hopeful and confident that one day this would happen? Like Mary, they knew the prophecies. They knew the prophecies. They knew what the prophets had told them. They, they knew that the prophets had, had forecast everything that was going to take place. They knew there was a conspiracy underway. And that one day, God would accomplish it. We're starting a new series uh, this week, and uh, this week, next week, the week after, in these three weeks, uh, called uh, A Prophetic Conspiracy. A Prophetic Conspiracy. A time for us in, in the busyness of all that's Christmas to, to kind of step back a little bit and uh, spend some time with the prophets. Uh, each Sunday when we gather together, we're going to look at, uh, at a particular prophet. We're going to unpack some of the experience and the prophecies that they make. And in, in doing that, try to come to that place where we get a glimpse and we see clearly this prophetic conspiracy, this plot, this plan that's underway. And then hopefully in the, in the midst of it, understand that that conspiracy is still at work uh, in our lives. So if you're ready to go, we'll take our first prophet today as we begin looking at that conspiracy and understanding some key words from each prophet. Today we start with the prophet Isaiah. He is uh, perhaps among the most famous of prophets, the most well, uh, well known and most often read. Isaiah was a prophet who spoke for, oh, probably 50 plus years in his, uh, in his ministry. Not a bad run in ministry, right? Yeah, I hope I don't have to go 50 years before I retire, but, uh, you know, not, not a bad run, right? Fifty-plus years, this guy was out there uh, preaching the word and, and uh, calling people to the Lord. And uh, uh, But in that 50 years, he, he was not in a nice, comfortable place. He, he wasn't in a nice, comfortable setting. He was no doubt preaching in Jerusalem, and he was preaching in a time of great turmoil. His ministry and his prophetic words spanned uh, four different kings. His role was to be one who would, who would speak to each of these kings and try to tell them what the Lord had to say and, and, and call them to, to be obedient to what God wants for the people as, as the prince, right? And then he was also the one who spoke to the people. And, and try to call the people back and to try to call the people and say, look, get your life right with God and, and what you're doing is not the right direction and try to get them to turn around. But he was also a prophet who ultimately gives the people a word of hope. In the midst of everything that's going wrong, he gives them hope. Things are not good in Israel when Isaiah begins preaching. Things are not going well because the people have decided to go their own way. Let's hear it from the prophet himself. If you brought your Bibles with you, if you got in that habit from Jonah, I hope you did, uh, get to Isaiah, will you? And uh, we're going to start right away in, in Isaiah uh, number one. And if not, Grab that little uh, handout that I give you every week to make it easy for you. And uh, there's lots of Isaiah for us to look at today. And uh, in Isaiah 1, right away, he describes the situation that he is preaching to and speaking to and what, what the people are doing. It goes like this in verse 2. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. So he's speaking broadly, right? That, that would include us this morning. 
This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and care for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who've rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. What's the situation in Israel? They've walked away. They've walked away. That God has you know, built them up into the kingdom, and, and now the, the, the kingdom is falling apart, and the kingdom is suffering because the people have decided they want to follow their own desires. They want to follow their own wisdom. They want to follow what they think is right instead of listening to the words of the Lord. And so they've decided to go their own way. And they have become that prodigal son, that prodigal nation that's just living its own way and doing it according to its own desires and its own selfishness. And it's not just the people. This extends all the way to the king. During uh, Isaiah's time, he prophesied to a king named Ahaz. And Ahaz is not one of the good kings. He is recognized as one of, the, one of the evil kings. Why? Because he is just like his people. He has decided to go his own way. See, historically, here's what's happened. Israel was Israel, but then it got divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And so far now with Isaiah's proclamations, that northern kingdom is pretty much destroyed. That, that foreign armies have marched in and destroyed the kingdom and now there's only the southern kingdom that is surviving under God's rule. And it is being threatened by all kinds of foreign powers. Ahaz is the king. And so he is responsible for the kingdom. And, and Isaiah comes to him and he says, Ahaz, now here's the deal. What you need to do to preserve the kingdom of God is just be faithful to the Lord. Just listen to what God has to say. Follow God's word. Just stay true to what God wants. It comes in uh, chapter 7, so you can see it. It comes in chapter 7, and Isaiah comes to him and says, Look, Ahaz, if you'll just follow what God wants, he will preserve your kingdom. And, and God is willing to prove this to you. He'll even give you a sign. If you need a sign, he'll give you a sign. He said it this way. Ask for yourself a sign, a token or a proof of the Lord your God, one that will convince you that God has spoken and will keep his word. Ask it either in the depth below or in the height above. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. What's Isaiah telling him? Look, Ahaz, the way to life is just to follow what God wants. The people have turned away. You are the king. If you want to preserve the nation, listen to me. Follow and depend only on the Lord. All these foreign powers, all these enemies are threatening you. All the things that are trying to bring you down... Follow the word of the Lord. Trust God. Just trust God. Look at the last line of the section. And what does Ahab say? I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. That's Ahaz's way of saying, Nah, I think I'm going to go my own way. <laughs> nah, I think I'm going to trust my own political judgment in this. 
And so Ahaz, when he, got, he has all these foreign powers kind of pressuring against him, he starts making an alliance with Assyria. And his goal is by his own judgment to preserve the nation, and God's promise to him is, if you will just be faithful, I will preserve the nation. Do you see what's at play in Israel right now? Not only in the people, but in the prince and the king who's supposed to govern on behalf of God. You see, it's that tension that you and I live in as well. It is that struggle that captures us that says, I want to do it my own way. I want to do it according to my own desires. I want to follow my my own judgment. I, I want to follow what it is I want. You see how they are captured by that same temptation? In response, in response, Isaiah announces that God has started a conspiracy. God has started a plot. He has started a plan. And he is announcing that plan even beforehand. It goes in chapter 7 again, verse 14. In response to Ahaz saying, Now I don't need a sign. Isaiah proclaims, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. What's interesting about that verse, just a minute, is that word you there. He's he's talking to Ahaz, but that you changes from being a personal address to Ahaz to becoming a plural address to anybody who's listening. So, So he's speaking to anybody now in the nation, anybody who is listening. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God starts a conspiracy and he says... This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. There's going to be be a sign. And and you're not going to be able to miss this sign. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was was out of town. I I flew back into the airport, you know, here in Milwaukee. And and if you've been down by the airport recently, you know it's a lot of construction going on down there, right? Yeah. And, of course, Jill, she's not here this morning, so I can tell you this. Uh, So don't squeal on me, okay? But uh, she's supposed to pick me up, you know. So, you know, here I am, baggage claim. I'm ready to go. And, uh, and uh, yeah, she, you know, drove and all the construction. And, of course, what did she miss? Yeah, she missed the exit that goes to the airport because there was just this little orange sign. I think there's only about two of them, right? They're about this big by this big, right? Blew right past them. So I had to talk her back and get her around so she'd get to the airport and, and, and pick me up. What was the problem? Well, she missed the sign. The sign was just too small. You know, you've done that, right? So she's not the only one? Yeah, okay, so she'll feel good. But she, why? The sign was just too small. Huh? I mean, usually when you go to the airport, how big is the sign? Oh, it's this, this monster green sign with big old planes on it so you can't miss it, right? This is what Isaiah is saying here. He's, look, God is going to do something so incredible. I mean, this could be something just so, so humanly unimaginable. This is going to be something so big and beyond what anybody could conceive of that you won't be able to miss that this is God's conspiracy. There's a woman, a young girl, unmarried, a virgin, and she's going to bear a child. Inconceivable. And yet the very sign that God says... This is my conspiracy. This is what you can hope for. I am going to not leave you 
to your own desires and destruction, I am going to find a way to bring you back to me. And it starts with a sign. A young woman. She'll have to bear the, the scorn of it. She'll have to bear the struggle of it. She'll have to bear the challenge of it. But that's precisely where God is found. And, and, and what does Mary have to do in the midst of this? Everything that Israel was unwilling to do when Isaiah called them back to the Lord, right? She has to do what? She has to just listen to the word of the angel that comes to her, believe it, receive it, and do it. She has to do what Israel was unwilling to do. And when she does this, when she believes it, receives it, the way the conspiracy begins to unfold for people like you and me to be able to get our lives back where God wants them to be. It's a sign. An unmissable, unmistakable sign. And this all happened. Think about this now. This amazes me about this prophet stuff. Isaiah talks about this 700 years before the angel comes to Mary. 700 years. Is that awesome? And the sign takes place. Now, Isaiah, the prophet, not only does he tell us about this unmissable, unmistakable sign, but he even gets more specific. So, so if you have any doubt, you have any questions about this, you, you just can't miss as it all unfolds. If you missed it when the birth happened, you can't miss it when the child grows up. If you go to Isaiah 9, he says right away in the first verse, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Okay, what's that all about? When the people of God came in, they took over Cana. The tribes divided up the land, right? The tribes divided up the land, and Zebulun and Naphtali took the region that eventually became Galilee and the Sea of Galilee. Anybody know somebody important that hung out in that region? Is that cool or what? He is not only saying, well, you can't miss this sign, but if you miss this sign, there's going to be this guy, and, and he's going to hang out, and just his presence there is going to change the reality of that whole region. And the other thing about that region is, remember, this is a place now where foreign powers are trying to invade. And they're invading from the north. The northern kingdom is already down. They're invading from the north. Where do you suppose the highway is that they, they, the armies come through to invade? Oh, Zebulun and Naphtali land. It's kind of like, like you know, we got the interstate kind of thing. So if you're, you know, you want to go up to the Packer game and get to Green Bay, you just take the interstate right up there. I mean, everybody knows you just go right up there, right? This was like army advancing interstate. This, this was the place, if you were a, a, a foreign power and you wanted to invade Israel from the north, guess where you came? Zebulun and Naphtali just came right through there. Is this, think about this. God is saying through the prophet Isaiah that the very place, the very place where foreign powers will come to try and destroy is the very place that his presence, Emmanuel, will reside. Isn't that cool? 
the very place, the very places in your life where temptation is trying to take hold of you, the very places in your life where there is war in the midst of your heart of trying to do what God wants you to do or, or trying to do what you want to do, the, the very places where you're in conflict with each other, the very places where you're in conflict with yourself, those places where you are warring is the very place Emmanuel comes to walk. The very place is where Emmanuel comes to reside. Nickel. Isaiah prophesies that there is one who is coming, and notice what this one will do as he resides in that place. He says in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, he tells us not only the sign, he also tells us the place and he tells us the person. And this person is going to be profound, wonderful counselor. This person is going to be powerful, mighty God. This person is going to be personal, everlasting Father. This person is going to be peaceful, Prince of Peace. And he is willing and is going to come into the places of conflict and war. Wow. What a plot. What a conspiracy. And God announces it long before it even takes place. And remember, Isaiah is speaking to a nation and to kings who are living in times of walking away, and they're living in times of distance from God. They're living in a time when the northern kingdom has, has already been cut down. It, it's already been ravaged by foreign armies coming through, right? I mean, the landscape has already been trashed. And then Isaiah proclaims to us and to those people not only the sign and the place, and, and he talks about the person, but he talks about the pedigree of who this person will be. It, it comes in chapter 11. So a few chapters more now. Chapter 11, right away, he says... A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, for his roots, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Where is he going to come from? Stump of Jesse. Here we go, the million-dollar question of the day. Whose father is Jesse? There we go, I heard it. David, yeah. This Jesse is David's father. Who's David? David is the awesome king who established the kingdom of Israel, who made it peaceful and expanded its boundaries. When David was king, oh, Israel was good. What's he saying? One day, David's family is going to sit on the throne again. We know who this person is going to be, and we know from where this person is going to come. He is going to come from the house 
and the line of David. He is going to be of David's family. And if he's of David's family, all those promises that God made to David, all those words that God gave to David, they're all going to be true. It's all going to happen. God promised it to David, and God is going to fulfill it. And so by the time it happens and you get to Luke 2, and the conspiracy keeps unfolding, and things keep moving, and the plot keeps getting thicker. In Luke 2 it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of whom? David. See it? Why? Because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Isaiah, long before it takes place, points to the very person and the house from which this one will come. And he gives us this person's purpose. Ultimately, he gives us this person's purpose. In Isaiah 53, moving on now, jumping some chapters ahead, Isaiah 53, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And if you jump to Matthew 1, when Jesus comes into the world, Joseph is told what to, what to name him. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him a name, Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. What do we know? The conspiracy, the conspiracy Isaiah is talking about gets closer and closer and closer to identifying a particular person. And that person has a purpose. And that purpose is to bring you today, right now, if you are living away from God, to bring you today, right now, if you're King Ahaz, and haven't been listening to what God wants in your life. To bring you today, right now, if you're in a place of just incredible conflict and warring going on, today, right now, if you're in a place like the people of Israel, heaped up with guilt, today, right now, Jesus Christ came, so you don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus Christ is the sign he is the promise. He is the person. He is the place. He is absolutely everything that brings us the freedom to start living life the way God wants us to. For Isaiah, Isaiah just lays it out there and invites the king and the people to just receive the word. Almost at the end of the book, chapter 65, he says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, Here am I. Here am I. You see, the conspiracy, the conspiracy that God is working in this world to reclaim his people is not over. It's not done. And God is working this day to reclaim everybody who's distant from him. The conspiracy that Isaiah talked about is still underway. And, and the word is still true today, true today like it was back there that says every one of us can have an incredible new life. We can have an incredible new life. 
because Isaiah knew the person, he, he knew the, the purpose, he knew the place, and he knew what this, what this one that would come would be about. Every one of us doesn't have to live like the nation of Israel lived anymore. We can surrender to this presence and this power. And when you do that, all of a sudden, life becomes different. And we go from being in that life of conflict and distance from God to that life that lives close to God and can live in hope. See, now think about this. Not everybody in Israel was distant from God. I mean, not, not every person in the whole nation was, was away from God. There, there were some. There was a remnant in Israel who was, who was seeking the Lord, who was trying to do the right thing, who was, who was seeking after what God wanted. And it's because of those folks that Isaiah proclaimed the conspiracy and the hope. If you go to Isaiah 40, he lifts it up right there. He says, but those who hope in the Lord, where do they hope? In the Lord. You see that? They're, they're, they're looking in the right place, right? Those who hope in the Lord, well, they will renew their strength and, and they will soar on wings like eagles and, and, and they'll run and they'll not grow weary and they will walk and they will not be faint. He gives us a hope. Those who are seeking to do the right thing, he gives us a hope. What does that hope do for us? The hope that Isaiah wants to bring to us is a hope that always keeps us looking forward. It always keeps us looking forward. You see, while, while the nation was falling, while everything was crumbling, Isaiah was there in chapter 40 proclaiming a hope that says, look, this is not it. This is not the end. God is going to do something. It may, it may be 700 years from now, but, but God is going to do something. Hope in the Lord. God is still in charge. See, wherever your life is now, if you're trying to do what God wants you to do, but you're, you're struggling to do that, and, and you may have failed in some times, or if you're in that place of God, hope, hope into the future and understand that God's got something more. Isaiah wants us to hope looking forward that we ought to stay and focus on 